The following audio is from Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to make and mature disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. All right, guys, this is uh, Daniel Ward. I'm the student pastor here at Fellowship. I'm here with Julian Martinez, our interim pastor. And uh, after another great uh, sermon, enjoyed um, that that sermon on uh, true or false. There's yeah. a lot of stuff out there that you got to really be careful with and make sure that you really know, know your stuff. It's really important to have that discernment. Yeah, I thought it was a really neat uh, part in Scripture uh, and uh, where – you know, the Apostle Paul encounters this guy and he's, you know, really opposed to the gospel mm. and um, and the way he called him out and all that stuff. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we kind of talked about this a while back, but I always think it's interesting anytime you see where someone is um, filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment, there's there's a backlashing, you know, there's a butt chewing coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not always yeah. a great thing. Yeah, like I think you talked about in the sermon too, like anytime the Lord says, the prophets would say, you know, come and say, and the Lord says this, it's, it was always not a great message. It was a, a message of, hey, you need to repent. It was judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, yeah, great, great sermon. Um, I put together a few questions from your points, and so I figured we'll go ahead and dive right on into that. All right. All right. So you point one was know your Bible, uh, which I think is like one of those things we all understand. But for whatever reason, we just don't really people don't really put invest. You know, they're not really investing the time in it like yeah. they should. It's almost cliche, um, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you've grown up in church or, or been around for very long at all, um, you're going to hear us say, like, you know, you should know your Bible, which is. A stark contrast from the church at a certain point, you know, before the Re- the Protestant Reformation, there was there was the church was yeah. saying, "Don't study the Bible." In fact, they kept it in Latin <laughs> so you couldn't read it and understand it, right? Right. Yeah. And so here we are today saying, "No, no, no! You do need to understand your Bible so that you can be able to discern what is true and what is not true." Yeah. And so I guess my question for you is, uh, what are what are some tools that are out there that that can help us better know our Bibles? Um, and, and be better equipped to to be able to discern truth from from uh, you know false. Yeah, well, there's a lot of resources out there um, to help you, you know, read the Bible, understand the Bible. There's a lot of commentaries out there. Um, I would say get a good study Bible first off. You know, like a Nelson Study Bible or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's not going to give you everything, but it'll break down a little bit easier to understand and. But really, I think the biggest thing is we need to invest time into actually reading our Bible. Mm. You know, um, the, I, I feel like there's a lot of excuses made a lot of times where people say, or I've said it myself, you know, like, well, I just don't have the time or I don't understand it when I read it. You know, I can I can read for hours and I'm just not going to retain it. And, you know, th- some of that might be true. But at the same time, you know, if we invest the time into reading our Bibles, well, then the Holy Spirit is going to do the work in revealing what he wants us to know, because that's that's genuinely or ultimately what what we need. Right. We need the Holy Spirit to kick in and to show us what his word says. Right. Right. And so I would say, um, you know, there are resources out there, but really taking the time to invest into reading your Bible, because I don't think we do that enough. Yeah, I think, too. It seems like a lot of 
professing Christians don't seem to hunger for the Word of God like maybe mm. they should. Yeah, I mean, why do why do you think that is? You know, I don't know. I think I think we've I think there's this mixture of American Christianity and cultural Christianity, and the fact that you said it uh, in your last sermon about how you know people feel like I want the heaven part of Christianity. I want I want to get to heaven, but I don't want all the other stuff that mm. I have to do down here on earth. And some of that is not a genuine salvation. And, you know, sometimes it's just it takes somebody a little longer to hunger for that word. But, you know, that's on our job, too, as pastors to tell them that, hey, you know, this is important for you, you know. And uh, I've seen it in new Christians. You know, I've seen it to where they can't put the Bible down. And I've seen other new Christians to where, you know, it's more of a struggle. It's a little more of a time process. And everybody's different. Yeah. But but I do think that's a a very... um, it's it's really important that that is is something that needs to be done you know like yeah. just reading your bible yeah. you know just reading it for the sake of reading it and not having to understand everything you know automatically but reading it you know and, and i'm talking about new christians and we have christians who you know who are professing christians for 20 years and they are mm-hmm. not in their bibles yeah. as much you That's know and, and so you know you see it's different maybe when we're on the mission field it's different that people have this hunger like you're saying you know but they don't have the cultural it's not you know it's not culturally you know cultural christianity or anything like that it's like a life-changing transformation Mm. and i think that's what's most important yeah i think if there's a life-changing transformation in us we are going to hunger for the word of god because that's how we get to know him yeah and i think um i think too you uh you know you're talking about some of those those people who have been christians for a long time it does seem like when you first get saved, like you have this this hunger to like, I want to get in the Word and I want to know God more. Mm-hmm. Then for whatever reason, that hunger kind of tends to wane. And, and some of that may be that it was a false conversion. Some of it may be, too, that, that we are filling ourselves up with so much other junk yeah. that we, we're not hungry for the Word. You know, if I f- go eat a bag of Oreos, I'm not going to be hungry <laughs> for like real food, right? Yeah. Um, but I've not really sustained myself either, yeah. right? And and we have this word of God that is that's what it's there to do is mm-hmm. is to sustain us spiritually. We should be hungering for it because it's the meat and potatoes that's going to fulfill us and sustain right. us and 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 help um, you know guide us through. Uh, and, and so I think that's it's incredibly important to to see it as that too. Yeah. Like even if you know you you don't have to go in there and start reading five chapters a day, but even if you just spend some time just a little bit of time to yeah. where you really try to understand and grasp what it is that the word is trying to say to you. Um, that, and that's how God speaks to us yeah. too. You that's know, exactly like that's really what we're hungering for. It's not just hungering for, Hey, I want to read a book. Right. It's, it's like you said earlier, the, the word of God is living and breathing. Yeah. And it's because God speaks to us through that word. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that, like you said, if I think if you're a true believer, you're going to want, you're yeah. going to hunger for, and I think we we have done the error too. And I I keep putting it on American Christianity because I think we've done a horrible job mm. of of uh, of showing people the true gospel and the true way of understanding Christianity. And we've 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 made it like church services, like like as long as you come on Sundays and Wednesdays, and every time the doors are open, well then you know that that turns into your hunger. But then church service becomes the Oreos, mm. right? It tastes good. It feels good. It's fun. And then it's not very sustaining. Mm. You know what I mean? You, you can't hear a 50-minute a sermon and then be sustained for the rest of the week. Yeah. 
And so uh, that's a perfect example about the Oreos because I can eat, I can actually be hungry and eat the Oreos mm. and be fine, but it's not filling enough to sustain me, and there's no nutrients in that. Right. And so, um, and so I think we've we've replaced that with uh, now I'm a Christian and I'm going to church all the time, and that's that's what's sustaining me. Yeah. And it can for a little while, right? Because you're learning and 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 you're go- and you're growing, but at the same time, if you don't get in the Word, then you're not going to know. Yeah. And we could be preaching a false gospel from right up here at Fellowship, and you're never going to know it, mm. you know, because you're not reading your own Bible. Yeah, we always, uh, I've always told teenagers, like, when we get to camp, you know, God always moves in the hearts of teenagers at camp. And the reason that that's the case is because they have five days of nonstop the Word just being preached yeah. at them, and they're spending time in devotionals, and they're in the Word more those five days than many of them are for the rest of the year, <laughs> yeah. right? There, there's more biblical saturation in five days than, mm-hmm. than what they get in, in the rest of the year. And so I always try to tell them like, this is what the Christian life should be like, Yeah, you know, the, with a, with the addition of serving too. But you know, the, your, the amount of time that you spend with God should be what camp looks like. That, that's not something we just do for a week. We do it for a week to help them start to build that, you right. know, that habit. But that's something that should be done every day of the every day of the year when you get home you continue to do that and when you, and the reason why there's su- such a spiritual high moment at camp is because they're doing that it's not because you know we're sleeping in <laughs> bunk beds it's it's yeah. it's because we're the distractions are gone yeah the distractions are gone we're saturated with the word of god yeah. and and when we would if we would live like that here mm-hmm. i think it would radically change our relationship with god and our perspective on life i think we fight a real enemy the enemy wow. wants yeah. us to be distracted from reading the word, wants mm-hmm. us to be distracted from sanctification, you know, oh, yeah, and, 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 you know, Satan is a liar and he will go to any lengths to, to distract us. Meaning he'll give us a piece of the truth mm. to pull us away. Right. And he'll say like, Oh, you just read the other day, you know, you're fine. You know, you, you're doing enough, you know? And, and just like with Eve, right? He came to Eve and he was trying to use God's reasoning with her. God loves you. You know, God wouldn't, God doesn't want to hurt you. He created you, you know, like, and, and she's like thinking like, oh yeah, of course, you know, yeah, you're right. Right. Mm. And so, and so, he, and so he wants to distract you in a way to mm. where you feel like justified mm. and not, and not reading the word so much. And then you start patting yourself on the back. Like, well, I work really hard and I, you know, and I, and I don't have a lot of time and the little bit of time that I do have, I'll do my morning devotion maybe, you know, and I, and I should be credited for that. Mm. And that's not the way it works. You know, like we should be laboring always to try to, to try to learn more about God and try to read his word. Even, even us or as pastors, we're obviously in the Bible all the time, all week long. Mm. And I've felt convicted at times like, man, I need to start doing like a reading on my own, like at home, apart from apart from studying, apart from the church, apart from my job, you know, and and I I don't see it as a job obviously, but, um, but, but I've been convicted too. Like, you know, I need to, I need to just do a devotion, just read in the mornings or just read period. You know, even though I've read a lot of it, I, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't need to read it anymore. Right. Right. hundred percent. And it, like you said, because it's breathing and living it, 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 you get something different from it every time too. You know, every time you go to it, God will speak to you, to you in a different way. Yeah. And within the context of what we're talking about, you know, whenever I was studying for this message and then I heard like, uh, verdicts, you know, God, Jesus broke the law for me. Mm. I immediately knew that Jesus had said he was the fulfillment of the law 
and and that 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 was in the verse that I had read. Mm. And so because I had read that before, I knew that it contradicted what he had said. Right. Right. And so if we're reading the Bible and we are picking it up as we go, the moment we hear something different, it will trigger in us like, wait a second. That's not what I read mm. last time. That's not what I read last night. God could do that. You know, I read this last night. I heard this guy preach about this this morning on a podcast or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. Hold on. And then you can have that resource to be able to go back and be able to say, oh, here it is. Mm. Right. Uh, This is what it actually said. And and that's only because of the years of studying and reading that I've done that I was able to pick that up. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and no, because I've because I've read the because I've read the Bible and because I know what's in the Bible. And so that, like I said, within the context of we have to know our Bible to be able to defend ourselves against false gospels, because the more we read the authentic Bible, the more we'll be able to identify the false gospel. Yeah. And that kind of leads us to the uh, the next question I had. You said false prophets don't identify themselves as such, which is. um it can be a scary thought that there are people out there um, who are teaching a false gospel and, and not always even intentionally. Sometimes yeah. they just have gotten so wrapped up in their own mind mm-hmm. that they don't even realize what they're doing. You know, I think, I think a lot of them genuinely think that they're preaching the Bible. Right. I think some of them are, have realized that I can make money with this. I think some of them have, you know, are doing it intentionally, but I think some of them are un- unintentional with, with what they're doing. Uh, and, and they're, you know, like the Bible calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a dangerous thing. And I, I, as a, you know, a pastor, uh, you know, that's that's scary for us, too, to know that, you know, yeah. our sheep are out there vulnerable uh, to, to these false teaching. Uh, and so, you know, how can we help or how can we better discern you know, when, when, when there's those false teachers out there, how do we better discern that, Hey, that that's a false teacher. You kind of just spoke to that a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we know and understand what our Bible say, then we'll be able to better identify what, who those false, uh, who those false prophets are, or, you know, false gospel preachers. And, yeah. and you know, the, the tough thing about it is everybody's got a favorite, uh, right? Yeah. It, I don't know if it's because of social media or because of TV you know, before we actually get the knowledge of this guy's maybe not good to listen to, we've listened to them for a long time, mm. right? I had somebody come up to me Sunday morning after saying that stuff about Stephen Furtick, and they're like, "I had no idea." Like, I listen to Stephen Furtick all the time, mm. you know, and uh, and and so the idea is, you know, we we should want to be able to identify when somebody is wrong right and we don't always do that right we don't always go into things with this like spiritual ears and spiritual eyes and and going into it questioning you know Mm. who who is this and why are they saying what they're saying yeah because we should question everything right Right. even people who learn from us should question us right and if they don't i remember uh, the guy who mentored me when i was a very just a young christian i'd just gotten saved we started doing a lot of bible study together and he told me that. He said, you question everything. He said, you question the pastor. You question me as I'm teaching you. And if you're reading the Bible and you read something that is different than what we're saying, then you question it because it's that's our job, right? It is on us as the individual to, to grow in sanctification and to know and to understand and to identify those false prophets. And so I think that's incredibly important that uh, not only does our Bible give us that, 
right? Because when we read, we see what the Bible says, mm-hmm. and when we hear, we know that it doesn't match up. But uh, but but we're resources too, right? As pastors, oh, yeah. the, our congregation should be able to come to us and say, "Hey, I was listening to this guy, and you know, what what do you think?" Right? Or, or this guy sounds really good. What do you think? You know, well, yeah. I've had that before. I've had yeah. somebody say, "Have you heard of this guy?" And I already know that he's no good and i'll be like uh yeah you know like let's talk about that and then it's my job it's all of our jobs to call out those false prophets for who they are mm. right it, we should never worry about offending our our brother right. to say man i know you like this guy but you need to be careful and watch out you know maybe sometimes they will be offended but that's a necessity right, right? it's a necessity that we can say I've identified this person already scripturally as somebody who's teaching something false and we don't need to be listening to them any longer. Mm. So let me ask you this. What, what do we do when we, when we discern that, you know, Stephen Furtick is a false teacher? I mean, is there anything good that the guy can offer that we can go mm. back and listen to? Or, <laughs> you know, like, like for, for instance, you know, Andy Stanley has, has said some stuff that I would, I would lump him in that group yeah. of, of false teachers. And, and, and yet he's written some really good books on church methods and, and things like that on, you know, how, how to, um, you know, be, be, you know, creative and reaching people and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think about that? Like, are there, is there any good that can come from a false teacher that I should, you know, I can take some of this and leave out the stuff that he's saying that's false, but take the good stuff. Right. I think if, um, somebody has already deemed themselves, um, somebody has already deemed themselves as un, untrusting. Yeah. Then why would you trust anything else they have to say? Yeah. Right. If I can't trust what Andy Stanley says at one point, how can I trust what he says at the next point? Right. You know what I mean? And and how do I know that whatever they're saying next isn't to further, you know, further lead something astray? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that might not be the case. It might not be on purpose. Right. But if they are untrustworthy is what I was trying to say. Yeah. If I already deemed them untrustworthy on one thing, then they are probably untrustworthy on everything else. Yeah. And I said that in my sermon, you know, if if I believe the Bible is inerrant, I believe that in its original writings, it is totally true and there's not one wrong thing with it. Right. The reason I believe that is because of what's in it. But but if I were to believe or question, like, oh, this might not be right, but he got everything else right, I, I can't trust that anymore right. because right. how do I know? How do you just I would never be able to trust what's next if it got one thing wrong. Mm. And so I, I really think, and some of this stuff is really really deep and important things that they're getting wrong, right? For mm-hmm. Furtick to say Jesus broke the law and then for Jesus to say, no, wait, I fulfilled the law, right? I, I, I am the law. Mm. Then then that's a big important thing because we, we got to look at it in a deeper context, right? Jesus fulfilled the law because we could not. Jesus fulfilled the law because when we look at the law, we notice we're sinners and we can't do anything about it. Well, if Jesus broke the law, what does that give us the ability to do? It gives us the ability to break the law, too. Right. And Jesus said, that's not the case, right? You're not made to break the law. You're made to fulfill the law, and you can't do it on your own, so I'm going to do it for you. And so by saying Jesus broke the law, it then enables us to be lawbreakers, and now we are going totally against 
what God had created for the law in the first place. Right. And so when when they say things that are untrustworthy, we have to remember there's some real deep ramifications that come along with that. And so I guess the quick answer is I would say no. I yeah. would not listen to anybody after I've already deemed them untrustworthy or as to be a false teacher. And those are strong words, you know. Yeah. It's hard for somebody to say, yeah, this guy, Joel Osteen or whatever, is a false teacher. It might not be that hard for Joel Osteen. But, yeah. uh, but there's people who listen to him. There's right. people out there who, you know, think he's got some good things to say and they're really positive and encouraging. But at the same time, if he's leading people astray, we shouldn't be listening to anything he says. That's yeah. that's my point of view anyways. Yeah, and I think it's uh I think it's dangerous and, and I think that we need to understand just how dangerous it really is. Yeah. You know, if they're you know, Joel Osteen's church started with Baptist theology. Yeah. Many, mm-hmm. many years ago. And once you get one thing wrong, it's really easy to start, you know, going down that that rabbit hill of just more bad theology yeah. to the point to where now you know Joel's Joel's way off. No, he's way here. You know, yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that I agree with you. If if we if we toy with that danger, mm-hmm. it's like playing with a wolf you know yeah. like i would never go out in the wild and, and try to play with a wolf there's no. just there's danger in that and so uh i think that uh i agree with you i think that understanding just how dangerous that is and and too if we're all disciple makers you know we're all disciples we're all also should be disciple makers yeah we're leading people and mm-hmm. we need to understand too like we, we can't we can't be listening or watching that or having that you know if i had a book on my bookshelf of somebody that was a heretic yeah and someone walks in and sees that they think oh that's that's okay for me to to read that that mm-hmm. dude must be a good well I, i've just led someone astray just by thinking you know just because i have one of the books right so it, it is a dangerous um uh, a dangerous thing it's important for us to understand how dangerous i mean jesus i mean it was pretty o- open and honest about how dangerous it is and, yeah. and so i think we we should have that same viewpoint. Well, even in the Old Testament, God says to kill the false prophet because it's like a cancer that mm. won't go away. Yeah, you know, you start to really like to hear what that false prophet has to say mm. because it has no judgment to it, and it's and it sounds like you know you can be okay. And it, coming back to Joel Osteen, he started off okay, you mm. know, and and I've watched interviews of him and him saying like, I just want God, I just want to know, I want people to know God loves them, and and then that turned into. Well, man, if, I, if I'm if i convinced people that God loves them, I'm not going to preach against sin because mm. sin is unloving, mm. right? And so and so I've heard him say that in an interview. I'm not going to preach on sin because sin is unloving. Well, you know what? If there's no sin, then there's no need for Jesus. Right. If there's no sin, then we need no Savior. Right. And so and so you really, you see how his, his good intentions drew him away from what actually needed to be said Mm. And now it's totally false, totally errant, and we can't trust it. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we we even want to do good by by saying or watching somebody, and then not realizing that we're doing more harm than we are doing good. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Okay. So last question or last point you had was that the gospel is sufficient, and uh, and so you know there's. There is this balance that, that we as pastors are called to to present the gospel in a way that, that you know we're we're trying to be creative. We're trying to make it to where it's you know understandable to our audience. Yeah. I mean, even Jesus used 
parables and, and, and was creative in how he presented uh, his message. And so, but I do think that there's it's a tightrope tightrope of creativity versus rewriting the narrative. And, yeah. and, and people are out there being so creative that they're rewriting the narrative. And I think that's where Furtick is with this whole Jesus, you know, came and, bro- and bro- broke the law. Yeah. You know, I, I think he's, he's trying to get so creative and so profound. He has this desire to be profound. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, he wants to write this tw- tweetable quote that, that can be <laughs> thrown out there. Um, that, that he's, he's gone so far pursuing that that he, now he's an heir. And I've listened to Furtick a few times and, and that's been kind of my takeaway. I, I think that Furtick really has a genuine desire to, to reach people. I think that right. he really wants to see people come to know Christ. And I think he's trying really hard to reach a certain demographic. And, and he's trying so hard to reach that demographic that he's he's choosing uh, creativity over Scripture. Yeah. And, and he's gone so far that, that he's rewriting the narrative. And so, you know, I think that uh, it's important for you know pastors to to be able to realize that that our goal is not creativity. Yeah, our goal is just to share the gospel because, like you said, the gospel is sufficient. And so, I guess all that to say, why is the gospel sufficient? What makes the gospel sufficient? We as pastors, that's what we're called to present. Why is that the why is that sufficient? Yeah. So when we look at it, I mean, you know, we have to remember that this book was written. 2000 years ago some of it was written 6000 years ago you know this this has been going on for a long time way longer than what we've than what we've even existed and so god in in his sovereignty has written these laws down has written his word down has given us the ability to know who he is and that's why it's sufficient because it comes directly from god right Paul said to Timothy that every word in scripture is breathed by God, meaning that God is the one who gave it to us and it's in his power that we're able to be saved. And so because of that, it's sufficient, right? There's mm-hmm. nothing I can do in my human intellect to help the gospel out, right? Right? There's nothing I should be able to do in my human intellect to help the gospel out. That's yeah. why that's why that's why some of the people like William Tyndale and some of them, they wanted the Bible in every man's hands. Mm. Why? Because even the commoner who could read the Bible could understand salvation and the gospel that Jesus was trying mm. to reach them with. And so it, it, we don't need to be intellectually, you know, um, intellectually wise and, and, and be able to, to frame our words in a way. Sure. Some people are way more creative than others. I stumble on my words a lot. You know, I went back, I hate doing it, but I went back and listened to <laughs> some of my sermon and I'm like, man, I sound like a bumbling idiot up there, you know, but, but, but it's the gospel that's sufficient, right? It's not me. It doesn't matter how I sound or how, even how I communicate it. Now I get it. Some guys will put us asleep, but, <laughs> but, but, the gospel is sufficient and it's it's the scripture that does the work it's not me and so i think i think that's what's important to take away is that it's because it was written by god it's because god was the one who said it that makes it so sufficient and not because i'm the one who's regurgitating it yeah uh i think sometimes you know kind of like you're talking about i think we overestimate our role in this whole mm. story that, that god has yeah. is, is working out in, in life we we think that things rest on our shoulders, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. people won't people won't get saved if I don't just really work really hard to make this creative. <laughs> yeah. When the reality is, is that we have like you said, we have nothing to do with that. We don't have the ability to change the man's heart. No. We're just called to 
be obedient right. and, and do what God's called us to do, and that's to present His story the way that He wrote it, the way that He you know created it, and, and yeah. we just we just tell that story and, yeah. and, and to the best of our ability. But we, we're it's not based on our ability, no. you know. Um, and, and I think that people get really wrapped up in, in that idea. You know, we, t- we were talking about this last week. Uh, we were t- kind of talking about street evangelism, the effectiveness of street evangelism, yeah. right? And, 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 and there's kind of like this, in, in my heart, there's always kind of been this push away from street evangelism mm-hmm. because I feel like there's no follow-up with street evangelism. I feel like there's no discipleship. You know, sometimes there is, but a lot of times if I go to, you know, if I go down to New Orleans and start doing some street evangelism, then it's hard for me to, you know, follow up with that person and get them plugged into a church. Yeah. I don't know any churches in New Orleans. Right. You know, I don't know anybody in New Orleans. And so if I go down there and reach people, what am I supposed to do with them then? Yeah. And, and, but that, again, I think over overestimates my role in this whole process. Sometimes my job is literally just to share the story and, yeah. and then trust that God's going to send else, someone else in their life to kind of harvest that seed, you know? Yeah. And, and so uh, I think understanding that that we don't have any like meaningful role in this whole thing. God allows us to be part of it, and, yeah. and, and our part is is more obedience related than it is anything else. We're just just do what God told you to do. Yeah, that's the key, and I, I think you're exactly right. Like we we lift ourselves up sometimes way mm. too high. Oh yeah. You know I I've been guilty of that. I remember one time I was listening to this guy preach, and I was. I was kind of formulating the sermon in my own mind mm. and thinking like, well, I would have said this, I would have said that, or man, if I would have gotten a chance to preach that message, I love that text. Mm. And then I, I remember who I was talking to, my mom or somebody, and they were like, I really was convicted about this and that in that sermon. And I was thinking to myself like, you idiot, you know, to myself, because because she, God used that mm. man to reach her in a way that was, was sufficient. Yeah. Right. And and who knows if, you know, it didn't matter that right. I didn't preach the sermon. It didn't matter who preached the sermon because it was the word of God coming out. Right. And 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 just like you were talking about earlier, like when it's thus says the Lord, you know, yeah. that's the most important part. Yeah. Because he's saying it. I'm not. Yeah. Right. And, and, the, and the word of the Lord never returns void. Right. That's like exactly it's right. always going to be productive yeah. and accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. Yeah. And so that that's why the gospel is sufficient, because it doesn't matter who the mouthpiece is. Mm. If it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's always going to be sufficient. Yeah. The power is in the gospel, that's not, exactly not in the person. Right. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we uh, we really enjoy uh, you know, seeing you guys at church and uh, being able to worship with you. And I uh, hope that you guys are doing well. If you guys need anything, give us a call here at the office. We'd love to serve you and, and love on you. And uh, we hope to see you again this Sunday. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening today. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.